This episode of Life of Mine is brought to you by The Motley Fool. Coincidental, because I am chatting to the top dog of The Motley Fool in this episode, Scotty Phillips. Now, The Motley Fool, perfect for people new to investing that want to both learn about investing and get given share tips. They do the work for you. You don't have to try and outsmart the market. They do it for you. It's a subscription service. Great value for money. You learn about investing. You get told which shares to buy. They have a market-beating record over the long term, which they publish. Not many people do that. Highly recommend it, everyone. Check it out. They actually investigate shares that aren't in the mining industry. So, And you wouldn't believe it. There are a few shares that aren't in mining. Unbelievable. Fool.com.au, F-O-O-L.com.au. They're a bit bloody. It's a bit of a quirky name, but you'll never forget it. Check it out. Check it out. Make sure. And if you're in, in the email, if you can say, Scotty, I've uh, signed up because of Matty on Life of Mine, that'd be bloody much appreciated. Right. So, this episode is with Scotty Phillips, Chief Investment Officer of The Motley Fool and host of the leading investment podcast in Australia, possibly the number two in the world i would assume the motley fool money highly recommend having listened to it they go over bloody everything shares macro micro the economy very very intelligent people scott and the straw man now i thought we'd get scott on it to elaborate on the inflation the market crashing the bloody financial apocalypse but mostly to put everyone everyone's mind at ease that the world is not going to end and these things happen and in the long term the stock up mark stock market graphic goes right and it goes up over the long term so we have a good yarn about everything inflation why we are in a high inflation environment what they do to mitigate it rising interest rates yada 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 Good chat. Very good chat. Thanks very much for your time, as per usual, Scotty. So, let's get into my yarn with Scotty Phillips, Motley Fool. Here we go. Check in the portal. Copy, ship pop. I got a radio check. Yeah, radio's working fine. Yeah, copy all personnel. Yeah, copy, mate. Did a tear in the vent bag. Yeah, stitch her up there. Thanks, mate. Yeah, right, mate. Copy that. All good. Let's get in it right. Scott Phillips, the, uh, <coughs> I wouldn't say the, one of the most hated men in the market at the moment everyone's blaming <laughs> you personally for the stock market crashing i hope you're coping all right mate i'm doing okay thank you yes it's uh it's an occupational hazard unfortunately when shares go up uh, everyone wants to claim success when shares go down everyone looks for someone to blame and uh, i I'm, I'm one of those people but that's all right mate. i got broad shoulders i should be okay that's good mate that's good right <laughs> so i thought we'll do um the uh, probably the 169th uh, podcast episode this week on inflation <laughs> and the stock market crash. But Good I idea. thought, I'll, 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 rather than going over definitions and all that boring shit, I'm like, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. Let's we'll get the definition of inflation and interest rate rises, etc., out of yep. the road. Yep. Tell me if this is right. So this is the life of mine definition. So inflation is when everything costs too fucking much, and the <laughs> result is. <laughs> The central banks and then the actual banks rise, keep lift the interest rates. So mm-hmm. comp- companies, people, uh, 
don't have as much money to spend and then the price of everything has to go down for everyone to afford it. Is that it? Is it as simple That's as that? That's a very, very, very good description. I love it a lot. Yes. So, uh, and, and of course, the challenge, of course, is that they're fixing higher prices with higher prices. They're putting <laughs> putting rates up to fix the fact that prices are costing us more elsewhere. But yeah, you, you're exactly right. Generally speaking, this is an unusual recession, but it will be if we have one. Uh, it's unusual inflation. Generally, what happens is the inflation goes up because the economy gets overheated. People go and throw too much money at too few things. And in doing so, end up pushing up prices. This time around, it's probably supply-driven. We can talk about that if you want to. But yep, that's exactly what's going on. So what they do is they try and slow the economy down. If they suck some demand out of the economy by making us put it on the mortgage rather than spending it on the good stuff, then we'll want less of it. And if we want less of it, then prices will come down to match. Yep, absolutely spot on. Now, we will talk about, um, I guess, Australia and America, like broader and the different, uh, I guess, reasons why each area went into these inflation mm-hmm. times. But I do want to ask the, the big R word, the recession. Mm-hmm. Everyone says when we go into recession, there is a yep. risk of going into recession. Do yep. you just wake up one day and say, holy <laughs> shit, we've just hit the recession? <laughs> like, is it is well, it a day thing? Like, what? <laughs> Well, I'm sure this is. Oh, these are frequently asked questions by all Great the question, retirees mate. and everything. Yeah, bloody what the hell is it? Is it a moment in time? Love it. So, no, it's absolutely not. And in fact, you don't know it until after the fact, which is kind of ironic given that when you're in a recession, by the time you know you're in one, you're probably out of one. So, here's the way they do it. We know the economy tends to grow over time, right? People invent new stuff, make new stuff, uh, charge more for stuff, and it keeps the economy growing. So, you know, we, we all want the pie to grow. Every so often, normally every about seven years or so on average, the economy goes backwards for a bit. In other words, we spend less stuff, we make less stuff. A gross domestic product or GDP is what the economists call it. They add everything we make together and say, did we make more than this time last year? Sometimes, very occasionally, we make less stuff than last year. And if the economy shrinks, it means we've got the same number of people chasing fewer things. And that's generally bad for most of us because, you know, people want to believe the future is going to be better. That's why they invest. That's why they make things. That's why they go into business, all that kind of stuff. So a recession is when you have two quarters, so a quarter of a year, three months, two quarters in a row of negative growth or what other people call decline uh, in, in economic activity. And that's the generally accepted definition here in Australia of what constitutes a recession. So we won't know, by the way, so they don't release those GDP numbers until about a month and a half after the fact. We'll know the first one. So if let's say, for example, won't be, let's say the current quarter, the June quarter, is a negative quarter in kind of late July. Sorry, late August, I should say, late August. Someone will say, okay, negative economic growth in the June quarter was negative. We say, oh, okay, that's not good. And then three months later, they say, okay, and the September quarter is also negative, and we will be able to then say, okay, there, we had a recession between what was effectively be April, so April, May, June, July, August, September. Those six months, that was a recession. Now, they can go for longer than six months as well, by the way, so it can be a longer recession, um, but they start when we have two consecutive quarters, or at least in hindsight, we know that's true, and they stop when the economy starts growing again. Oh, I feel like my life is complete now after knowing that. That has been burned. That has been burned. That is one thing I have not Googled, but um, well, the, the Google would Nothing be what the bloody know. hell actually exactly. is a recession. Exactly. Um, now, is the negative quarters, are they yep. very uncommon, or have they happened in the past, say, five years on rare basises? Yeah, so they're really, really just the uncommon. standalone ones. Yeah, they're they're really uncommon over over 
over long periods of time. Now, we have had one in the last period of time because the COVID recession was a recession, a really, really, really strange one, like the, the most, the strangest recession in 100 years. So, but yes, we have had one. They happen about every seven years. And Australia had actually gone, believe it or not, more than 30 years without a recession. The last one we had in Australia was 1991. And we hadn't had another one. We actually skipped the GFC. It actually wasn't a recession here. We skipped that one. And the next one was then the COVID recession in 2020, in 2020. So, but normally the rest of the world had one during the GFC. Uh, and because that was so bad, that's why it took another 14 or so years to have the next one. But generally speaking, that every seven or so years. And we very rarely have one quarter and then don't have another one. In fact, during the GFC, we did have a single quarter of negative growth. And then the next one was plus 0.1%, which is just positive enough to be positive. And so that we escaped a recession then. But yeah, generally speaking, every seven or so years on average no guarantee that it needs to be exactly seven but on average about seven years um and and normally if we have one you generally have two because if the economy is slowing it takes a while to start going again and that sort of six month period is normally when you end up with a recession now the 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 the, the c word the COVID. Mm. uh now want us to talk about the effect that that had in terms of inflation because just talking to like like a couple of friends acquaintances of mine that a business owners talked to them during the covid period and they yeah. were they absolutely bloody loved covid they didn't they had the, <laughs> they had the most cash in their business that they've ever had because of all the right. covid handouts and like because people would not have worked the system at all for the the quarterly drops and everything and um mm -hmm. so businesses a lot of businesses were in the best position they've ever been in cash flow wise because of the handouts what mm -hmm. effect did not just covid but i guess the government's um handout policy and everything across the board what effect did that have on australia's inflation yeah, so this is this is a great question. The honest answer is we don't know. Um, when you have inflation, it's one of those things you kind of look back and go, well, I guess a whole lot of things happened and some of it was probably this and some of it was probably that and some of it was probably something else. We don't know. There's no real way to tie it back and say, therefore, this happened. There are some... Here's the challenge with economics, right? People generally choose their school of thought and then want to believe everything is you know in alignment with that. It's a bit like politics or sport. When you say, oh, I, I, I like this party, then everything the other guy does is bad, everything your side does is good, all that kind of rubbish. The same is kind of true with economics. So there are people who've been saying for years, ever since the GFC, so back to 2008, low interest rates will cause these sorts of problems. And now they're saying 14 years later, see, I told you so. Now, maybe it was 14 years worth of, of buildup of pressure, and maybe they're exactly right, or maybe it's got nothing to do with it at all. And so you've got to be careful. I, I don't tend to belong in any particular ideological camp, which means I can be hopefully a little bit, uh, a little bit rational, a little bit uh, unbiased in this stuff. It's probable that the fact that uh, the fact that the economy did have a lot of free money for a while, including both low interest rates and government handouts, very decent chance that added to demand pressures. But it's more probable in my view and most economists' view that, I'm not an economist by the way, but most economists' view that it's a supply-driven one. And it comes down to largely a few things. The first is oil prices have gone through the roof because of the war in Ukraine. The second one is that the food prices, largely, not entirely, but largely because of the constraints around wheat export from Ukraine, have also gone up for the same reason. And then you've got two supply chain issues. The first is that the Yanks have shipyards and docks full, full, full of the brim of containers. There's a massive, massive bottleneck in freight. And so again, if there's less stuff around, 
again, supply problem. Then the money we do have to chase the fewer things ends up costing everything, everything costs more. And the last one is China had, and this is the COVID impact, China had a COVID zero policy for their own purposes. And I, I'm not going to criticize them for it, but they had a COVID, COVID zero policy where they basically shut things down for a couple of months. And given that China is the world's factory for the most part, that meant a shortage of a lot of goods. There were shortages of computer chips. There are still shortages of new cars uh, that suddenly get resolved now. But if you kind of flow that right through the economy and add all those things together, that's the most likely cause. Maybe also low interest rates and government handouts. I, I can't tell you it wasn't. It probably, almost by definition, probably did, did add to it because you either, you know, this is either add or don't uh, or subtract. But probably added to inflation spending. Uh, we know household income grew during COVID. So to your point about businesses loving it, um, people had more money rather than less as a result of COVID in the government activities. So yeah, almost certainly an a contribution. I would speculate, complete speculation, but I would speculate that it's probably uh, the lesser of those four or five different examples I just gave you. And is that, that extends to like America's uh, inflation issues, is that like a Correct. sort of the general the general consensus for the global inflation, not just Australia? Yeah, and in fact, they had it before we had it. So we, I have a slight beef with the RBA because they started to raise rates in May. Uh, we saw US inflation start to, to really, really, really grow in August, September last year. And by October, November, it was obvious that they were having an inflation problem. And I'll say we, the, the royal we, um, decided that they were US-centric issues that we didn't have here for all of the reasons that they believe they were that. I think in a globalized world, it was naive or maybe optimistic of the RBA to believe that it wouldn't be a problem here. Uh, but turns out, funnily enough, they turned up here. Uh, and I think they are almost entirely global issues causing the inflation problem here, as they have in everywhere else, the US, the UK, uh, Europe, uh, New Zealand. Uh, we're seeing exactly the same things worldwide. It's 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 pro yeah very, very hard to believe there are, there are significant national impacts. So... To put everyone at ease, because I, um, I'm getting asked of me by the mother-in-law thinking that they're going to lose all their super and the, there's a financial apocalypse coming. So the, the aim of this podcast is to put everyone's mind at ease. Historically speaking, because um, at this before I get into that, can you mm. tell me why pensioners um, and retirees only ever want to pull their super out when the market goes down, but they never <laughs> want to pull it out when it goes up? I just cannot understand that. You know what? So I, I absolutely can understand it, but you have to understand it through a behavioral lens because it comes out of fear. Yeah, exactly. So when things, and, and it's human, right? So, so I don't want to blame the retirees or the pensioners. We all... When, when, when things are going well, I, I mentioned at the very top of the podcast when you asked me whether you know, I was the most hated man in finance. When everything's going well, we want to believe that firstly, we're responsible. We are clever. We are capable. We are whatever. Secondly, it'll never end. And thirdly, we are so desperate to keep up with the Joneses and not lose out on future gains that we're not prepared to recognize, I wouldn't even say warning signs, but just that maybe these things aren't going to continue forever. You know, you know the, the, the Goldilocks period is over and we should have always expected it would be over because that's what happens in markets. They're cyclical by nature. We don't always know what, we don't know when, we don't even know why, but they happen and we know they happen and that's the way these things go. If you take it back and you think about the same thing in when the market goes down, then you have the same sorts of uh, impulses, but op operating in reverse, which is, oh my God, the market's down. Who's responsible? Look at all this money I'm losing. This is terrible. It is painful. I don't want to lose any more money. This sucks. I want to get out. 
And those are really, really, really understandable human emotions. Humans, the, uh, the, the, the art of investing is probably best summed up as the ability to quell our natural evolutionary impulses. That is, that is almost almost by definition, it's, it's almost you know describing the negative of, of investing around the, you know, what's missing. You have to quell that bit that says there's something roaring, it's probably a lion. Because on the savannah, mate, if, you, if the lion's roaring, you're not going to hang around and say, oh, maybe it won't find me. Maybe it's not a lion. Maybe it's too far away. You're like, you know what? I don't get a second chance. This I'm going to go and hide right now. Because if I'm wrong, then I've wasted my time. If I'm right, I'm not dead. And so that's a really, really, you know, and evolutionarily, we've been investing for 100 years. We've been humanoids of some description for tens and tens and tens of thousands of years. And so we are quite, and, and frankly, monkeys before that who had the same impulses for exactly the same reasons. So we are fighting against not only one species of evolution, but species and species of evolution, all the stuff that goes with that. When we say, hey, uh, I, I think I'm going to bear this pain. I see the fall. I see everyone running around like chicks with the head cut off. I'm going to ignore that and stand where I am. Now, the Chicken Little analogy, the kids book we all read, is the best way to think about investing, which is when everyone runs around saying the sky is falling, it's probably not. But I don't blame anyone for being scared. And I don't blame anyone who's un uh, I, would say, I don't say uneducated in, in a general sense, but who's not educated about finance and investing, who says, I've just lost, and think about a retiree who's, let, let's, say, let's pick a million dollars for the fun of it, right? If, you, if you're a retiree, you had a million dollars six months ago, you've probably got 800 grand now. Now, if you see $200,000 disappear from your investment account, you better believe you're bloody scared and you're annoyed and you're looking for someone to blame because that's, you know, what is it, five new or four new Commodores? Um, you, you know, it, it, these aren't small amounts of money and I don't blame anyone for being worried. I think what we just need to do is help people understand that this happens regularly. It has happened before. It will happen again. COVID, I mentioned before, the market fell 38% in one month and four days, 38%. And now it's made it all back plus more. And the move from that bottom to the top now was 70% gain. But you had to bear the 38% loss <laughs> to, to see it through. And that's why it's, a, it's something you've got to be really careful of as an investor to remember and really educate yourself about what happens on markets. It should be nearly a condition of releasing superannuation is they're not allowed <laughs> yeah. to watch the stock market. Like that's a, It should be yep. banned from the TV. Because yep. I heard, I was listening to, was it Roger Montgomery on Equity Mates the other day? Right. And he put it really good in terms of compared the share market to property, um, yep. saying you don't, like your house doesn't have like a value sitting above it every day, and then <laughs> exactly. if it goes if it goes down uh, one day, you're not thinking I'm going to move out. And we need to move into a one bedroom property next week to because um, our value of our house has gone down. You just don't Correct. know, but long term it goes up and up, and you yep. just got to turn off the noise of the share Correct. market because yeah, it goes right and it goes up mm. forever. Essentially, right. and, if, and if you and if you had that, you know, if if you had your house price quoted to you. Every second of every day for six hours a day between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. in Sydney. Uh, and every single day you had, it's worth this, now it's worth that, now it's worth this, now it's worth that. And if someone had said to you, here's a graph of your house price over the last six months, it's gone from a million dollars to $800,000, to use the example I used before with super, you would feel poorer and you would feel scared and you would think, oh my God, what should I do? Uh, but because we think of housing differently, um, and we should, it's different, obviously. But because we don't necessarily think about all that stuff, we don't necessarily pick it up as we go. and We don't have the same emotional reactions to it. Um, but because shares are, to some degree, kind of they're, they're kind of ephemeral, they're out there, they're pieces of paper, we don't really always understand it instinctively and well. Shelter is easy to think about. Well, I'm, I need a house anyway. I guess I'll stay in this house. This will do. 
I like it. I'm not going to sell it soon. We can say the same about, about shares. If you thought about your woolly shares rather than as 200 bits of your random bits of paper worth $40 each, but you said, actually, I own a, a small portion of my local supermarket and I checked and it's still there and they're still selling groceries. In fact, look, there's more people there than there were you know, this time last year. Uh, and they're doing a pretty good job of it. And I like the range and they're doing good prices. Uh, that seems like a business is going to be okay. You'd be like, oh, that's okay then. And they're going to, and they're going to send you money every six months in dividends. Oh, well, fair enough. That, that sounds okay. But because we fixate, and we're kind of told to fixate because of the news and other things, on the on the daily price movements, we get way too carried away. As you said, it's education and getting the message out there because I think so. people, I've, I, know, I know someone specifically uh, that during the COVID, they took all their super out and put it into cash on the way oh, down and then obviously yeah. missed yeah. the bounce back and yeah. just, if they just left it, as you said, um, but it's, but people have got access to do that. They can just do yep. it on a click of a button on the internet. Exactly. And and even as you said in um, oh by the way loved loved your bloody uh, interview on the property couch the other day. That was oh thanks I mate. Got getting the uh, missus to listen to that. It was just a nice, great nice. great Thank bloody you. good long yarn about investment <laughs> mentality. And it was we'll fun. Uh, and but that but that was that whole thing of just. It was, it was just that principle of just letting it go over time. We've been through the GFC, the Greek, Greek not paying money and yep, bloody exactly, oh, yep, every Brexit, other Brexit thing, and, yep, COVID, exactly. Brexit. And uh, I actually did one the other day that was on that Vanguard website. I think you mentioned oh, yeah. it in your podcast. Yep. I did a little calc on if I invested $100,000 in 2006, right when the market was high, just before the GFC. So lost heaps then like and then that still mm. compounded the australian share market seven and a half percent per annum even taking into account i lost half of it in the first year yeah, but yeah. to and, now and that, like, it just shows yeah. that whole philosophy and that's the story right so the vanguard chart if, if you if you listen want to pull it up i think we've probably talked about it before but google vanguard next chart there's a pdf it's one page they go from 1991 to 2021 which includes uh both the gfc and the covid crash uh, the average return for the ASX is 9.6% per year. Now, here's the other thing, right? 9.6% or your 7%, they sound like okay numbers. They're, they're, they're pretty good numbers, right? They're not that spectacular. You're not going to write home about them, any of that kind of stuff. But if you get 9.6% per annum for 30 years, get this, it turns 10 grand into $160,000. So 9.6% doesn't sound like much, and it's kind of, you know, it's good, but it's not spectacular. And you kind of go, oh, it's, that's it's a, a bit good boring. Return. Like it's it's not right, a, not right. a five banger. It's gonna, so boring, gonna, but right, you're not going to write <laughs> home about it. But if you do it for long enough, and this is the beauty of the share market, right? If you do it for long enough, and you gave the example of your your calculated, but um, just just literally using their just their simple published numbers, ten grand to 160, 16 times your money, you put ten grand away, and you didn't do anything other than literally nothing. Do everything else. You did your life, right? You, Twenty, you put ten grand in at fifty, you go oh, 160 grand there just because I left it the hell alone. And, and that is that is absolutely the story of investing for sure. I guess historically speaking, you touched on it before, based mm -hmm. on history, based on what's going on, on at the moment, like, you yep. know, uh, I guess the general predictions to put people at ease, obviously, that how is this going to be sort of a six-month sort of rough period turnaround? Is it a year? Like, is it... Well, yep. what's the general vibe of how long this is going to, we're going to go through this and it's going to be on the news, we get everyone out unnecessarily? Yep. Now, you, you asked a great question and the only honest answer is I don't know. And if someone else tells you that they know, then here's my line, they're either lying to you or lying to themselves or both. 
because no <laughs> one can possibly know what happens next. It is literally impossible. And they might be relying on some sort of history, historical average. They might be relying on gut feeling, best guess, tea leaves, whatever they want to try and use to do it. No one knows. But here's the, so, but, so here's the story instead, right? I'm not going to say, therefore, it doesn't matter. Here's what happens instead. The Australian stock market, as I said to you, has gained 9.6% per year over the last 30 years. Over the last more than a century, that number has hardly changed. In fact, the Australian stock market was the best performing share market over 100 and something years. Uh, Credit Suisse did some numbers, the, the Global Investment Bank. Australia was the, the greatest performing stock market in the world. Not by much. It doesn't really matter that it was better or worse than you know, someone else. It just happened to be number one. Over the long term, remember, back to the property thing, right? Uh, you don't look at your house and go, oh, I wonder how much it might go up. Maybe it'll go up, maybe it'll go back down. Will it go back up? I'm not sure. You say, well, if you're buying an investment property, you say, well, isn't it a good spot? Do people like it? Are people going to rent it? Yeah, I think so. Okay, well, can I charge more for rent in a few years time? Well, yeah, I think so because the suburb will be bigger and better and price will go up and wages will go up. So I can probably charge a bit more for it then. You've got to think about property uh, the same way and then think about companies in exactly the same fashion. You ask yourself, okay, I have a company here. Uh, again, let's use Woolies just for fun. I don't own Woolies shares, so it's nice and easy. Um, yeah, is Woolies going to be selling more groceries to more people in five years' time? Pro- probably, yeah. Uh, is it going to be making more profit out of those groceries? Well, they're a pretty good business. They're very well run. Very good chance they'll make more money. Okay, cool. Tick that box. Uh, will some of those come back to me as higher dividends? Well, yeah, probably because they haven't got that much. They don't need that to keep that much cash to grow because they're already massive. And so most of it will come back in dividends. Okay, cool. I, I know that. Good. And then you say, well, okay, well, then, then why would A, firstly, Woolies be 20% worth 20% less than they were six months ago? And then why wouldn't they be worth more in future as those profits continue to grow? And the answer almost always is, well, they, of course they will be. That, that's, that's the point. And so as a long-term investor, six months isn't long-term, a year isn't long-term. I hate to disappoint anyone who's listening. A long-term is three to five years plus. My average holding period for my portfolio personally must be... Uh, I, I think I've sold one, maybe two company shares in the last six years, seven years. Um, so I, I'm a super long-term investor. Right? That, that's what I'm trying to do. And if I do it well enough, if we let these businesses do their thing and continue to grow the way they do, then the share price will follow. Price follows value, right? O- over time, if I, if I rent my place for more and more and more every single year and the price stays lower, I'm looking at it going, well, okay, eventually... The market's going to recognize this is a quality property with good rental history. Uh, people are paying more for rent. They're going to pay more for the property at some point. And that's that's the way to think about shares, exactly the same way. So I don't know how long. What I do know, and this is important, is the market has always gone back to and then higher than a previous high because companies make more stuff. They find more solutions. They create better marketing. They create better products. They do all the things they do. The market has always gone higher over, over a long enough period of time. And so wherever it's below the last high, that's a that's money for jam stuff. Because that is like, well, hang on. If it goes back to that and then above every single time, now there's no guarantees. Maybe we've seen the peak of capitalism. Maybe in 50 years time, they look back and go, oh, 2021, that was as good as it got. But I don't reckon it will. I reckon in 2050, they're going, man, look how much value has been created since 2021. And so being part of that by owning shares, even when it's volatile, which sucks, but even when it's volatile, is why I, that's why I'm an investor. Frankly, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not I don't. I don't talk about shares because uh, I'm trying to make you know because because I want shares to go up or whatever. I I, I talk about shares because I believe they're going to go up. I I, I took this job because I, I believed in what uh, the Motley Fool was doing. I believed in what the, the power of capitalism and and that's why I invest. Same exactly the same thing. I absolutely convinced that over time, no guarantees again, but over time, the market will probably do in the future roughly what it's done in the past. And if I can get about nine point six percent per annum for the next thirty years. From this point, well, guess what? 
If, if that happened, that 10 grand becomes 160 grand. We sit here and wonder if it's going to happen in the next three or six months. I'm like, you know what? I don't care. I'm going for the 30 year or the 20 year or the 10 year gains, which will be very, very good. In my view. Well, <laughs> and well, in, in your view. And, and look, if people want to get more than 9.6%, I'd uh, highly recommend subscribing to Motley, Motley Fool because they have a public, publicised, market-beating record. Uh, and as you said, not many people do that, Scott. So uh, I, I assume you've maintained that over the last time since I talked to you, the market-beating yeah, yeah, record. Uh, I have to double check. It's actually we've had it. We've had a really tough uh, few months actually because we've got a lot of growth companies. And this is the, the other thing about the market. I'll, I'll look it up as I'm talking, so I'm not going to ignore the question. But while I do that, um, actually, let me see. It's up here now. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Here is this for Radio? Yes, we are. Um, just want to make sure. Uh, the last six months have been really interesting. So miners have done really well, particularly energy companies and or drillers, and banks have done pretty well. The rest of the market has really struggled. So while we talk about the market crash in the US, the Australian market's down a bit, but nowhere near as far. Individual companies have had a really, really, really different time of that. Uh, if you look at a business like Zip, for example, the, the company, the buy now, pay later. Oh, geez, a lot um, of unhappy bloody Zip owners well, out there, isn't there? So, mate, it's gone from, f- let me find, $12.30 in February of last year down to 52 cents. Okay. Um, business like Zero, for example, the, the, the online cloud accounting software business, uh, its shares were as high as $153 in November. They're now down to 79 So tech stocks have been smashed. Growth stocks have been smashed uh, because the US NASDAQ has been smashed because of this. We go back to where we started, rates and inflation. And so for now, at least, the market's hating on growth and hating on tech. And it's loving miners and it's loving banks. And maybe they always will and that might be fine. But my guess is over time, the best of the, the growth businesses end up well and truly justifying their prices. And the worst of them, and I, I've got to say I'm not a fan of Zip particularly, I'm not a shareholder, um, will struggle to recover some of those prices that were probably overblown at the time. But either way, over time, value is what is, a value will out, as they say. The, the businesses that are that are going to create more wealth for, for their customers, for their suppliers, for their shareholders are the ones that will do well over the long term. Right, usual disclaimer before I ask yep. you a, a semi-advice <laughs> question. Uh, yeah, this it. is not financial advice. Ind- seek independent financial advice, everyone. And the life of mine disclaimer is if you sue me for listen- doing something, I'll say you're a bloody dickhead. Uh, <laughs> so I think we, we I think we have the general um, chat about retire, uh, superannuation people. Turn off the stock market noise. Yep. Please don't. Please don't worry and just please, draw yes. your <laughs> continue drawing your super and everything it will will go back up. Um, but now for the mum and dad retail investor that have, let's say, uh, let's say they've got a fifty thousand dollar portfolio that is now worth thirty five after this, and they've got mm-hmm. ten thousand dollars cash that they want to invest in some point. What yep. is your, I guess, a bit of advice on how to look at that investment and uh, the cash side of things? I guess the benefits of investing during the down times. Yeah. So look, I mean. <sighs> And so there's two answers, right? The, the first is there's a mathematical answer, and and there's the, so you're saying what's going to be the best possible return? That's that's one answer. The other the other answer is is probably to the better question. You know what, what we can't get personal advice, obviously, but someone says what is the best return is one question. What should I do is a different question, and it sounds like the same question. And it can be for some people, but for some people just simply can't deal with the volatility of of the stock market. And I would rather those people not invest. Than invest and actually lose money, right? Because that'd be the worst of all outcomes. If you started with 50, you've now got 35, you're like, screw this investing thing, I'm out. 
you crystallize that loss, you swear off shares forever, and you've lost 15 grand. If you just never done it and said, look, you know what, I'm not, I don't really have the stomach for it, the interest in it, uh, I don't trust it, then don't keep, keep your 50 at least, right? Don't don't lose money and then give up. So the best advice I have is I, I am always fully invested as much as I can, right? Someone's got some cash, they haven't invested it yet or I've sold something or whatever. But generally speaking, I save money every time I, I get paid. I invest that money reasonably quickly, almost as soon as I can, roughly, because the market goes up over time. And so, yes, so the money I invested three months ago is now down, but the money I invested during the COVID crash is up a lot because I just put the money to work because I simply invested it because it was the right thing to do and I want to be invested because the market goes up over time. So when it comes to that, I would be generally saying to people, if you're, if you're someone who can stomach the volatility, you have to make your peace with it, right? You have to say, I don't know, but, <laughs> um, or, you know, I'm okay with, if you can get if you can get genuinely comfortable with that Vanguard index chart and say, you know what, I know it can be scary, I know it's volatile, I know there'll be bad times, I know there'll be uncertain times, I know I'll be scared sometimes, I know it'll feel painful, but I'm going to do it anyway because I believe in it. If you can do that, and not everyone can, then putting money to work now is a really, really, really good time to actually do that and have that conversation because the money is going to, over time, if I'm right, I think I will be, meaningfully compound despite these falls. Because the money that fell, the 50 that fell to 35 just recently probably grew from 10 to 50 in the previous yeah, 15, 20 years. And so that's, the, that's the, the thing you've got to keep focused on. But that's been a sensational sum up, Scott. And I uh, thank you very much. And I, I actually put my finger on it last night. Like the, I guess if you want to get sort of uh, spiritual and philosophical, I see you mm-hmm. as like a Warren Buffett sleeper cell in oh, Australia okay. <laughs> that you've been strategically strategically placed here to spread the Buffett message to mm-hmm. the Australasian community. And we are, we yep. thank you yep. very much, mate. Well, you're very kind. I'm, I'm not, not even fit to tie Warren Buffett's shoelaces, but, uh, but I think sensible investing is pretty universal. And I think if I can help a few people, uh, to, to end up with a better retirement by just chilling out a little bit and doing the basic things right, then I, I figure I've done some good. You have, you have. Right, everyone, uh, look, and if you heard, go back to the intro where I've uh, presented the Motley Fool, uh, yada, yada, uh, what they offer and everything. And then, look, Scott, if you heard that, you'd be sitting there just fanning yourself from over compliments <laughs> like it's sensational. I'll put links in the kind, show notes. Sh- links in the show notes, everyone. Look, if you're a bloody new to investing, because the, the good thing about you guys is you obviously offer re- share recommendations but it's the mm-hmm. all the ongoing education resources that are with it for people that are new to investing so look if you and and i don't know if people are out there aware there are a few companies that you can buy shares with that aren't in mining so there's there's plenty of other companies oh, i'm very narrow, more, <laughs> narrow <laughs> monitor, mate thanks very much for your time as always really appreciate it and um everyone have a good listen to the bloody motley fool money podcast because it is the guy top You're leading a good man. Uh, thanks, buddy. it's the leading in is still still the top investing podcast in australia i'm pretty sure as far as i'm concerned mate, it always is but I, only only yeah. second to yours of course ah good on you you're too kind mate <laughs> right scotty thanks very much and uh Full on, as you say. Absolutely. Full on. <laughs> <laughs>